So I was listening to that song this morning, this afternoon, as I was preparing for tonight. Great are you, Lord. How many of you know that? Yeah. See, here, here's, here's what hit me as I was listening to that song. Once you have tasted the reality of God and his presence, and once Jesus Christ has made himself known, I'm telling you, once you experience him, you realize he's so great. In fact, that's right, that eternal life actually is when you know him that way, know him experientially. And I, I sit there and I just thought, man, I could just go on and on and on and on over and over and over again and give stories of why God is so great. Why am I here? Why are you here? <laughs> like, the only reason we're here is because he's great, right? And we've tasted it and we've seen it and we've experienced it. And I want to tell you, once you have, you just can't go back. You just can't go back. And so I, I, if any of you are here and, and, and faith in Christ is something that haven't, you haven't experienced, I just want to tell you, once you do, you can't go back. The scripture actually says we're born again. So there's actually a spiritual transformation that happens inside of us that is just as real as a physical birth. It is just as real. And here's what, and here's what happens. Once that's happened then you become convinced. You become convinced that he's God, that he is life, that he is salvation, and that really, it is the only good and wise and right decision is to put your faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's what happens to us. So what do you do when it becomes that real to you and you're that convinced? What do you do with people who disagree with you? What do you do with people who haven't had that experience? <laughs> who haven't experienced God in that way that we have and are living their life? Now, here's the point. We've been going in this series. We're doing a series called, Are You Kidding Me? <laughs> because statistically, this group that hasn't had this experience is growing more and more every year. And it's, it's a group that if you take a survey and you say, what religious affiliation do you have? You write, none. We just don't have any religious affiliation anymore. And one of the main reasons, and so what we're doing in this series is saying, why are people beginning to write none as a religious affiliation when they think about the church? And one of the main reasons people reply none is when they're surveyed is because they say that Christians are intolerant that we're intolerant. So here's what I want you to think about. Don't raise your hand, okay? Are you? Are you intolerant? And if you are, then I want you to think about who is it right now sitting here tonight that you can think of a person or potentially and probably a group of people that in your heart, you think about them, and you feel intolerant inside, okay? So here's the definition of tolerate. To tolerate is to accept the existence of different views, to recognize other people's right 
to have different beliefs or practices without an attempt to suppress them. If you're tolerant, then you accept the existence that there are different views out there and you recognize other people's rights to have different beliefs or practices. I am going to share with you today that I think we're supposed to be tolerant. Okay? Now, there's three things that have to be true, okay? Three things that are true for tolerance to exist due to that definition. Number one, you have to have a belief. You actually have to have something that you stand for, okay? Secondly, someone has to have a different belief than you, a different lifestyle, opinion, or a way of living that opposes yours. So you have to have one, and somebody has to have a different one, and then you have to figure out how to coexist with each other. Right there. That's tolerance. Now, here's what's interesting. A guy was looking through one of the dictionaries, and tolerate was the definition I just gave you, to accept the existence of different views. But listen to this, this very interesting little twist when they gave the definition of tolerance. They said, it's the acceptance of different views of other people in religious or political matters, fairness toward the, and fairness toward the people who hold these different views. Did you, did, you, did you catch the slight shift? In the first definition, so in, if you look at the traditional definition of tolerance, it's to accept the existence of different views, and I allow you to have those views. But the shift that's kind of happened in our culture is no tolerances, you must accept the different view. <laughs> that's a big difference between accepting the existence of different views and actually accepting the views. And so today, what it feels like when we talk about tolerance is it's more, if you don't accept my view, you're being intolerant. And so when you hear tolerance today, you have to ask, what do you mean? This is really important. Are you meaning I can have a view and you can have an opposing view and we can actually coexist in society? Or that you have to accept my view. Because that's a completely different thing. And what happens if we move to this different, newer view and definition of tolerance, we move from allowing the free expression of contrary opinions to having to accept all opinions. So, Tim Keller, who's one of my favorite scholars, and I know many of you also know him as well. You know, he's been a pastor in New York City for years. I think he's probably had to deal with people with different views. Here's what he says. Tolerance is neither indifference. We may be appalled at the other person's view. And it's not acceptance. It means treating the other people with respect, even if we find their ideas difficult to endure. Hear that? It's not indifference. It's not acceptance. But it means how you're treating the person with respect, even if we find their ideas difficult to endure. So here's the deal. We're followers of Jesus, right? That's what, what Christians are. We follow Christ. Not only do we follow him, the Bible says spiritually, we have been baptized into Christ. There's a spiritual union, again, that's happened. So we're, and what's the church called? The church is the body of Christ. So that means you and I 
are supposed to be representing him the best way possible. I asked Susie this question as I was studying for this this week. Was Jesus tolerant? Was Jesus tolerant? I bet you might get some interesting answers with that. Well, here, let's look at one of the the things. In Matthew chapter 13, people were asking Jesus, hey, what's the kingdom of God like? Okay? And so he said, let me tell you a story. He goes, let me tell you a story of what the kingdom of God is like. He said, a man goes out and he plants some seed. And the seed is wheat. But while he's sleeping, his enemy goes out and he plants weeds in the exact same field. And so then they both grow up together, the wheat and the weeds. And so the workers, you know, they're kind of ticked off that this happened. And so they go to the, to the guy who planted the seed and he goes, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to pull out all the weeds? And here's what he said in Matthew chapter 13, 29. Uh-uh. Nope. Jesus answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Listen to this. Let both grow together. Sounds like coexisting, doesn't it? Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So apparently what Jesus was saying is, while you're here, there's going to be wheat and there's going to be weeds And you guys got to figure out how to do this together. Now, here's what's crazy. is when you look at Jesus, isn't that what he did? This is how Jesus lived his life. I want to tell you, man, there is no question, no question that Jesus would abhor much of the Roman Empire's practices. I mean, I I, I tell you, I think I've said this here before. When I read the book, I, Claudius, which was a a, a historical fiction of the emperors during the time of Jesus, literally, Susie was like, it was like three or four times I had to put the book down because I literally felt nauseous like I was going to throw up. Uh, You guys think we have it bad? We don't have it anywhere near what the Roman Empire was like. And Jesus, I love the fact that God said at just the right time, Jesus is going to come. And Jesus knew how to walk right in the midst of the Roman Empire with all of their wickedness. And here's what's crazy. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How much time does Jesus spend trying to take down the Roman Empire? He doesn't. That's not his focus. He doesn't seem to try and stop them from living the way they're living their life. But what does he do? He proclaims and he lives a completely different kingdom right in their midst. And that's what Jesus did. So somehow, if tolerance is that I have a completely opposing view than you do, right? I'm accepting the existence of an opposing view. And I'm not trying to suppress you That seems to be what Jesus did. Now, here's what's interesting. So in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 5, so now we're moving into the church. How did the church deal with this? Well, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a heinous sin that was going on inside of the church, okay? And so when Paul wanted to to, to deal with this, he said, now he goes, now you guys got to deal with this in the church. And then he said, now hold on. Now I'm not telling you not to associate with people of the world, who do not believe or who don't live like you do. 
And then he says, because in that case, you'd have to leave the world. So that's not what he was saying. And then he says this fascinating thing in 1 Corinthians 5, 12. He says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. It's not your job. It's not my job. Our job is, not, is, is somehow to be wheat in the midst of weeds. Somehow our job is to be light in the midst of darkness. Somehow our job is to coexist with people who believe completely different than we do and not suppress them, give them the freedom to be able to make their choice because that's what Jesus was doing. And Jesus is in you and he's in me and we need to be the church and we need to look like him. So people are saying, you're intolerant. And I think now we can come back and say, let me just share with you actually what tolerance is and let's do it. All right? So I'm going to share this with you. I have before. So those of you guys who've been here for a while, give me a little grace. But this is, I think this is the key. Years ago, my brother told me, he said, David, when I write a book, he goes, I'm going to call it the razor's edge. And he goes, and here's why. He goes, Jesus, it says, he came full of grace and truth. And I've shared this so many times because it's fascinating to me. In John chapter one, John, the beloved, right, the one who was so close to Jesus, walked with him for three years. He says, we have seen the glory of the one and only. Now, I always say this. If I'm writing the book, I'm going, the dude walked on water. I'm saying he fed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. I'm saying he raised a dead guy from the grave. I'm like, we have seen the glory. Uh Uh-uh. What does John say? We've seen the glory of God in the flesh full of grace and truth. Somehow, the most divine thing that John could say was the glory of God in Christ was grace and truth. And I want to tell you guys, that's because it's almost impossible for a human being to do. Okay? So we we all slide on one way or the other. Let me just ask you real quick. How many of you would say you're more truth tellers? How many of you, how many truth tellers we got? See, their hands up even went up quicker than the rest of you. Conviction with that. I love to people tell tell people the truth. Okay, how many of you are over here and you're more of the grace giver? (laughs) Okay, and and if you guys notice, it's it's usually 50-50. And here's the point. When you slide over, when you enter into a situation with someone who disagrees with you, and there's this rub going on, we usually do one of the two things. Man, I'm going to stand for the truth. And we get over here and we proclaim the truth, and it feels good. It's kind of freeing almost to say, I stood for what's right. And then you got the people over here and they go, yeah, but can't we all just get along? And we are over here, and we want to love people, we want to accept people, and so we have a hard time, you know, tell, tell, uh, telling the truth. And here's the problem, you guys. And you know why we do that? Here's why. Because it is really hard to be this close with another human being who totally disagrees with you and tell them that you would disagree and tell them the truth and love them at the same time. But that's the glory of Jesus. And if you and I can figure out how to do this, then we will reveal to the world. And I, I'm telling you, wouldn't it be great if people would say, yeah, but I have run into someone from K2. 
and they're not intolerant. That'd be awesome. So how do we actually look like Jesus in the midst of our culture with all these differing views in this huge cancer culture? I'm so excited, man. Pull up 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is an amazing passage, I think, that's going to give us some real clarity on how we do this. All right? So if you got your Bibles, and you know what? By the way, this might be one, you guys. Take some notes. Get some of this down. Because if you're going to live in this world at all, you're going to have to deal with this issue of tolerance. Okay? Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and would see good days, you must keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. You must turn from evil and do good. You must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Whoo! Isn't that awesome? Hey, just so you know, read, read 1 Peter, y'all. These guys were being persecuted up and down. Much of this letter was written because these guys were suffering. They were experiencing intolerance, right? And so he was trying to help them to know how to do this. Okay, so here we go. Here's the first thing you got to do if you're actually going to be tolerant in the name of Christ. Number one, you must take a stand. You got to take a stand. By definition, if you don't take a stand and you just accept everything, that's acceptance, that's not tolerance. By definition and tolerance, remember what's the first thing? You have to have a view and you don't budge on it. Okay. So there was another uh, uh, apologist who said this. He said, truth cannot be sacrificed at the altar of pretended tolerance. Real tolerance is deference to all ideas not indifference to the truth. Okay? So this is for all you grace givers out there. <laughs> you got to take a stand, man. So 1 Peter 3.15, what did he say? In, in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. <laughs> Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You guys, when you received Jesus, Colossians 2.6, it says, when you received Christ, you received him as Who? as Lord. That's kind of what happened. That's, that's what you finally realize, right? Remember this? Like you, you were living your own way, you're doing your own thing, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm completely sinning because I don't follow God at all. And then you finally realize Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And when you came to realize there is a God and he revealed himself through Christ, here's here's the deal. If he's your God, if he's your Lord, then he is the one who reveals the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And so here's what must, this is so critical for any follower of Jesus. Nothing else can be more important to you than Jesus, the truth, and what he has revealed. You can't get your truth from any other source outside of your God. Now, even as I say that, I will say this, truth is truth. So can I just say this? In almost every other, almost every other religion that's out there, there's stuff that they believe that's true, okay? So there are things that you can actually agree with because they're saying things that we can agree with. (laughs) But then you got to know where it's different. So we have a reason for our hope, right? It says always be prepared to give the reason. Why do we have a reason? Because we have met Jesus and we know what the truth is and we know what the gospel is and the goodness is and you must take a stand. And here's what happens, you guys, when Jesus becomes your Lord. His ways become your ways. His ways become your ways. We now walk in the way of Christ. And so it's not acceptance of all beliefs. By definition, we stand for whom we believe in. Okay? So that's the first thing. If you're actually going to be tolerant in this culture and honor Jesus, then you got to take a stand and you don't budge from it. All right? But then... The second thing is, you got to figure out how to coexist with everyone. With everyone. So Rick Warren, oh man, baby, take a picture, put this quote up there. Um, take a picture of it if you want. I have it on my computer screen. It is, it is accessible and available to me at any moment I need it. Because I believe what he says right here is so key. Look at this. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is, that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear them or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Isn't that genius? Is that genius? You guys, learn this. I mean, this is so true. And, 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 And again, in our culture... We're, we're, we're being tempted to say, if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, then you hate me. It's like, no, 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 no. That is not true. That's this new definition of tolerance. But real tolerance says, I can totally disagree with you and I can absolutely love you. But man, this other thing, this other lie, that if you love someone, you have to agree with everything that they believe or do. Are there any parents in the room? Come on, man. Do you love your child? Do you, did you, do you just agree with everything that they do and everything that they believe? Just go for it. That's called hatred if you let your kids do that. Man, if you love someone, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. This is so important, you guys. That's tolerance right there. So in Romans chapter 12, 18, it says, if it is possible... By the way, this, you might want to look at this at another time. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through about 23 is another great parallel passage that helps us to know how to live in a culture with people who, who are different. But here it just simply says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with 
Say it again. Live at peace with everyone. Everyone. Serious, man. Do you know what they believe? Uh Uh-huh. Jesus goes, I know what they believe. I do. And you need to live at peace as much as it depends on you. Now, here's the deal, right? Because to really live at peace with somebody, it takes two, (laughs) right? So people might be super intolerant back at you and not receive your peace. But man, if it depends on you, you better not be, as a follower of Jesus, the one who's causing that disruption. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are... Anybody know? Oh, my wife knows. You guys know? (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called... Children of God. Read, read, read James chapter 3, verse 7 and eight, 17 and 18. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate and submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. As far as it depends on you, we're supposed to coexist with everyone. So in this passage, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, if you, would, if, you, if you want to love life and see good days, you must keep their tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. You must turn from evil and do good. And you must seek peace and pursue it. Okay? Now, so just, and, and I'm going to get to, we're going to unpack some of this here in just a second. But listen, so how do we coexist with everyone, right here, there's just three things. Number one, do good. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. You just do what's right. Do what's good. Number two, seek peace and what? Pursue it. You know what that means? You can't sit back. Pursuing something. In fact, I, I forgot to look this up, but I know in other places when it says to pursue, it's actually the word for persecution. Because the, when they wanted to use the word per- persecution, if you want to persecute somebody, you're going after them with everything you've got. But sometimes on the positive side, you should have that same, oh, oh, I know what it was, a message I gave last year on hospitality. And it said, pursue hospitality. It says, you're supposed to go after hospitality with as much vigor as someone who's persecuting somebody. You and I are supposed to go after peace with that much vigor. So you go in, what did Jesus do? He went into the Roman Empire. He lived his life in the culture and he brought the kingdom. He pursued peace. You don't just sit back. You go in and you make it happen. And then you keep your tongue from evil. And I would say this is where I just know, I mean, seriously, guys, I don't know how many people I know who love Jesus and they're like, I'm just so embarrassed though, Dave, to be part of the church. I'm so embarrassed the way Jesus is represented in our country. And, and you know what it usually is? It's usually hateful speech. It's people coming down and being anything but like Jesus. I'm telling you, what's coming out of your mouth is life and death. And Jesus, you guys, follow Jesus. We're going to get to this too in a minute. The only people he had a real hard time with were who? The religious people. That's where he got struggled with. Okay, so anyway. I got to keep going, man. Coexist with everybody. Do good, seek peace, and keep your tongue. Watch this thing, man. All right. So let's get into the hardest one. How do we coexist with people who are intolerant? Okay. How do you coexist with somebody who's more like an antagonist 
Somebody who, who really is vitriol, vitriol towards, towards Christianity or towards your faith. All right? There's two things in this passage it tells you. This is so good. This is so practical, you guys, about how we actually represent Jesus in today's world. The first thing you do if somebody is coming after you is you bless them. Isn't that awesome? How many of you, that's your first reaction when somebody's just ripping you to shreds? Thank you for laughing heartily, Steve. Come on, man. What we do is we want to defend ourselves. And then you know what's crazy? And then we think we have to defend Jesus because he can't handle it, right? So 1 Peter 3.9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You guys, this is so counterculture. And this is so Jesus. And here, here, do you see this? Jesus called you and me to this. You are called that when someone abuses you, someone insults your faith, someone calls you an idiot for believing anything like this, you're supposed to do what? (laughs) Bless them. You are called. How do you do this? If Jesus called, remember it said what you were supposed to do? You revere Jesus as Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. What do you want me to do when people are defaming your name? Bless them. He goes, if they insult you, don't insult them. I don't. If they do evil against you, don't do evil against them. I don't. And I'm your Lord. And so I'm asking you to do the same thing. Represent me well. Don't repay evil. You know what, guys? You know, here's what Jesus is saying. Don't join their game, y'all. Don't join their game. It's the way of the world. It's the way of the world, and it's the way of Satan. 1 Peter 2.23 said this about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now, again, let me say this. It's very important. This implies that you are standing strong in what you believe in. Because the only reason anybody's going to come after you is because you've stood strong for Christ. Okay? But, and so what's happening is, you are not becoming a friend with the world. Jesus would never become a friend with the world. Why? Because it says, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. So Jesus obviously would not be schizophrenic and be an enemy against himself. And yet he was called the friend of sinners. So you are not becoming a friend with the world, but you are being a friend to the person, no matter what. I think that was Jesus' secret. No matter what you think, no matter what you say, I'm going to love you. You can't stop me from loving you. This was Jesus. Now, how do we do that, man? It is an entirely different game. Can I, here's, here's a practical way I think that we can actually bless them. You guys know, by the way, you know what the word bless means? It means to lift up and to honor and to esteem. <laughs> okay, when I ask you to think about who you feel intolerant towards, how many of you want to lift them up and bless them and esteem them? Come on, laugh at yourself really hard. That is not what you're thinking. It's what Jesus is thinking. So how do we do that? I got, I got some great help from a friend who lives in interfaith, Ellie. Many of you know Ellie Thompson. Instead, you guys, of immediately defending your position, how do you bless them? 
I'm going to give you one thing. Seek instead to understand them. Seek instead to understand them. Ask them questions. Here's a couple good ones. Hey, what, what brought you to have that opinion? You know what you're asking? Tell me, would you tell me your story? Oh my gosh, you guys. Again, if you would hear their story of how they got to having that strong of conviction, you could just say, what's happened in your own personal experience that brought you to this belief? And what would happen is all of a sudden, you know who that person would become? They'd become a person to you who has a story. And it would probably make sense to you now of why they actually believe what they do. You need to see everybody as a person that Jesus loves and he knows their journey. They're not an opinion that's different than yours. This is not about being right and then being wrong. It's about understanding them and blessing them. It humanizes them again. And it makes them more than just an issue that you disagree with, okay? I think that's the main way that you can actually bless somebody. Can I just ask you a question? How blessed would you feel if they did that to you? Instead of making you feel like an idiot for what you believe. Wouldn't it be cool if they said, hey, I'm really interested. Would you tell me, how did you actually come to faith in Christ? You'd be like, really, you wanna know? Right, wouldn't that feel good? Do that to them. Help them to feel good. Take down their defenses. I got it. Shut up. Keep going. Number two. Okay. Number one, bless them. And then the second thing he says is do good to them. Do good. Romans 12, in that passage, he says, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Doesn't that sound like fun? Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil by good. Again, you guys don't play their game. So in 1 Peter 3, he says, even if you should suffer for what is right, you'll be blessed. Don't fear their threats and don't be frightened. In verse 16, he says, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You know, as I was reading this, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like you're going to suffer either way. Okay? So what are you going to suffer for? For doing good or for doing evil? And I want to tell you guys, here's what's true. If you do evil, it is going to cause so much more chaos and dissension and reason for the other party to come back even stronger with more fighting and more infliction of pain. Do you understand that? You are just going to increase the suffering if you're going to come at them that way. The suffering you receive you know, for the evil that you do, like if you come back unlike Christ, then that is not his way. And here's the cool thing. If, if, if that's been you, here's the greatest thing. You can actually do something about it. Stop it. Just stop it. You can do it. Stop playing their game. It is Satan's game. His wisdom is always to divide. Always. Okay? Now, he says, if you do good, you'll heap, heap ashes on their head. But you notice what he says? You won't fuel the fire. I, I, I remember when I said this to somebody one time, he goes, you know what's so cool about ashes, Dave? He goes, they can't burn. 
you won't add fuel to the fire. But that's what, what he's really saying here, you guys, is in the Old Testament, when you felt shame for something and you actually felt sorry for what you had done, you would, you would put ashes on your head and sackcloth on and you would get in a repentant state. So what he's saying is, if somebody coming at you hard and angry and they're vitriol towards you and you come back with gentleness and kindness and love them and bless them, it's going to cause ashes to come on their head and they'll have a chance to go. Why was I treating you that way? You're such a kind, gentle, loving person. Do you guys know what is it that actually leads us to repentance? It's God's what? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Stand strong, don't budge, and then bless them and do good. Okay, last thing is how do we coexist with the tolerant? How do we coexist with the tolerant? In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. (laughs) Do you know what I love about this passage? Did you know what it says? See that? He goes, um, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who does what? Asks you. Isn't that cool? I, I, I don't know. When I, when I saw that, I decided, how interesting, because this is the way of true tolerance. If you're actually a tolerant person, right? Like I just said, it's like one way you blow it. You ask them questions. Let me, let me. Now he's saying, what if somebody asks you? You know what you're dealing with now? You're dealing with somebody who holds a different opinion than you. And yet they are actually willing to be tolerant and they are going to start to ask you. They're saying, I disagree with you, but I'm interested in what you believe. Oh my gosh, you guys. If we came with other people and said, I'm, I totally disagree with you, but I'm interested in what you believe. See, we would love for people to do that for us. Well, then reciprocate that and do that for others. Now, here's the interesting thing. If there is one verse that supports true tolerance, I think it's this verse right here. You have different views, but you do it with gentleness and respect. Different views, gentleness and respect. And can I just tell you what? I can tell you this. If you're blessing people when they're disagreeing with you, and if you're doing good to them when they disagree with you, this is going to happen a whole lot more. You might actually get some people to ask you, How are, why are you so kind? Why are you not like all these other people? Why are you not holding a sign down at the square? Why are you gentle? Oh, because I follow Jesus. And Jesus is meek and humble and gentle and kind and the truth. And the truth. I won't budge, but I will love you. So first thing he says is be prepared. So can I just tell you, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the last like two months, we did two series to prepare you. We did five weeks on what the good news is. So go back and listen to those things. Go back and be prepared and say, what is the gospel? What is the good news? We unpacked it five weeks to help you know what the gospel is. And then we just did four weeks on sharing your faith for dummies, right? Like how, can, how do you share your story? Are you ready to share your story? of how you engage with Christ. We did a whole message on that, gave you time to do it. Are you ready to share what the gospel is with somebody? And we gave you all that equipment too. So go back, it's there, always be prepared. And then secondly, do it with gentleness and respect. You know what, you guys? Find places of agreement. Did you know that I'm almost positive 
that that person, there are some things you actually agree with? Discover what those are. Don't just focus on the difference. One book I read on this, they go, that's what happens. When this happens, it's like it's the elephant in the room, right? And we both have our knives and our forks, and we're going to go attack this elephant. And the guy said, he goes, instead of attacking the elephant in the room, just put your knife down and your fork. And people go, why are you doing that? And he said, that's because there's lots of other animals in the zoo. There's lots of other issues. Let's see if there's anything that we agree on where we actually can come together. What can you actually affirm in the other person? And what could you do together? You guys, this is Jesus. He's never going to budge, and we can't budge, y'all. Let's live on the razor's edge. Let's know what the truth is, stand for it strong, and like Jesus, give people the grace he gave us. He gave us grace. He died for us while we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, and when we were powerless. That's the love of Christ. And if we do this, you guys, we can be tolerant in the true definition of the world, of the word, and we will bring glory to Christ, full of grace and truth. All right? Let me pray for you. Jesus, um, worship you today because you, you dwell in us. Thank you. Thank you that we are never, ever in a situation out in the world with anyone where you are not literally dwelling within us to give us everything we need to be able to represent you well as a disciple and follower of yours. Thank you, Lord. God, I would just want to ask, would you give grace to everyone, every one of us in this room, so that we would know how to bless and do good and to be gentle and to give respect while we honor you and worship you and never budge from our commitment to you as our Lord. And Lord, may that cause people eventually to ask us, would you tell me for the reason, for the hope that you have, would you tell me the reason that you were able to love me when I disagreed with you, when I attacked you and you were kind back to me. Lord, give us that grace. Give us that mercy. Give us opportunities. Help us to pursue this, God. Help us to pursue it as you call us to. And may we bring you glory in the world. And may people, instead of saying, I want nothing to do with the church or with Jesus, say, I might want everything to do with Jesus. And we pray for that in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful weekend. Go out there and pursue some peace. Seriously, go out there and make a difference. All right. Go for it.